Hey, what's up, bar listeners? Before we get into this episode, want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by AGTV. That's right. The people that made the American Gospel documentary has come up with a streaming service app that's pretty much like Netflix for solid biblical content. Go to watch AGTV. Use the code BAR, the number one, to get 10% off the monthly rate. AGTV is so awesome. They also have our very own Just Thinking podcast on there. So you want to make sure you go to watchagtv.com. Use the code BAR, the number one, for 10% off. Make your plans now to join us for the G3 National Conference, September 30th through October 2nd, as we'll gather for Christian fellowship and the worship of God through song and the preached word. Our theme for the 2021 conference will be centered on biblical Christology. You can find registration details at g3men.org. Get 15% off by mentioning code G3BAR. That's G3BAR. the bar come on and pull up a seat and open up your bible what a wonderful feast the living bread and we're discussing what it means for the streets the inner cities and the burbs and every person we meet this is where we tell us worldviews that we hear from world news in light of the scripture we are here to serve you we're your source for resources to help you on your way as you battle mean forces this is for the people who can see the importance of sound theology and the scripture that support it and this is for the truth lovers biblically reforming preaching christ to the nations yeah welcome to the the Reformation, yeah. The bar, biblical and reformed. Welcome everybody to the bar. It's your boy Dwayne in the building, right back in here. Another Tuesday. Super excited as always to be coming through your speakers, through your earbuds, through your Alexa. Yes, we're now on Alexa. Wherever you listen to The Bar, we're grateful that you are listening. And I love to start the show off every week by thanking the listeners. You guys are awesome. You guys make this possible, and I'm just so grateful. I appreciate you guys sharing the podcast. And if you would do me a favor, take a screenshot of your player right now and tag us. Put it in stories. Put it on Instagram, Facebook. Tag us and let everybody know your favorite podcast. And I like to start every week by uh, bringing on an awesome guest. Uh, this is an awesome guest. We've been uh, kind of back and forth a little bit till we got him in here. Super excited. And I'll be honest, and this is just kind of like a little transparency. I heard this gentleman uh, years ago on the Reform Pub, one of the podcasts that inspired this podcast. And I always said, once I get my podcast, I'm going to have him on the show. I have on none other than Mr. R. Scott Clark. How are you, sir? I'm well, Dwayne. How are you? I'm doing really good, sir. I really, first, like I said, thank you for taking time out of your schedule. Not as busy because it is the summertime, but definitely uh, grateful that you would come on the show, man. And i like to start off by giving you an opportunity to introduce yourself to my listeners. Anything you want to share, whether it's personal or professional, you got the floor to do that right here. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I, I'm a little worried about your podcast. You know, it, it was only after I, I did... Um, a couple of episodes, you know, with Les and Tanner that, you know, their podcast died. So <laughs> you, you, you might want to, I guess I should have thought about that. If I'd known there was a connection, I might have warned you. This might not be a good idea. 
But uh, well, we'll, uh. well, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll try not to do too much damage. Um, well, it's it's great to be on. Uh, I uh, my name is Scott Clark. I teach church history at Westminster Seminary, California. Uh, I teach historical theology. I teach courses in uh, the ancient church, medieval church, Reformation church, and uh, in 16th and 17th century Reformed orthodoxy. My Probably my favorite course to teach is the course on the Reformed Confessions, where we focus on the uh, Heidelberg Catechism, the Belgic Confession, and the Canons of Dort. And um, uh, mostly in that course, we just sit down and we look at the Belgic Confession, which is uh, one of the confessions that my uh, churches hold, the, the Reformed churches uh, in which I'm a minister. Uh, we, we hold the Belgic Confession. It was published in 1561, and uh, it's one of the more important um, and I think beautiful confessions, really, probably early on a collection of, of uh, sermons uh, preached by a minister, Guy de Bray, who was martyred for the gospel in uh, 1567. So, and he knew he was uh, likely going to be martyred for the gospel, and he wrote it uh, with that consciousness. And uh, so you can, you can see it. Anyway, so that, that's my day job. Um, my most fundamental calling, however, is as a minister in the United Reformed Churches. I was ordained in, uh, well, began pastoral ministry in 1987 as an assistant pastor, and I was ordained to pastoral ministry in 1988 and uh, have pastored in Kansas City, Missouri, just a little bit north of the church was located just a little bit north of, of downtown Kansas City, uh, lived in the UK for a while doing uh, graduate work and um, taught in uh, at Wheaton College for a couple of years in the Chicago suburbs, west suburbs, and uh, been here since 1997. Uh, two kids, one wife uh, on our third Scottish Terrier. I don't know. What else do you want to know? That's pretty good, man. That's 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 a pretty good uh, overview uh, of what you got going on, which is really cool. Didn't know half of that stuff, um, so I know my listeners definitely enjoy that. And no worries on you killing my podcast. <laughs> uh, me and Les are really good friends, and uh, and and he and I had this discussion. Uh, that podcast died because of inconsistency. They weren't able to maintain it. Yeah. With uh, Tanner in school and, you know, podcast world, you got to be putting out uh, content or, you you know, it, it will die. It's just one of those things. So no worries there. I am not worried at all, but I do appreciate uh, you being conscious of that, man. So, man, you have like so I as I told you in the inbox, I don't have a topic. Um, I like to just kind of have a conversation like a living room conversation with my guests. And what I like to do is during the introduction, grab little pieces that I can kind of explore a little bit more. You had so many uh, that I want to kind of touch on. So I'm, I'm going to try to hit them and, and stay within my time range. Um, so I'm going I'm to start back at the top where you talked about what you did at the university. Talk a little bit about um, uh, at the university. Uh, are you seeing any, uh, uh, I guess, a increase uh, hunger for uh, reform theology or, you know I mean, biblical theology? Are you seeing like a, a, a resurgence on that side? I think I heard you talk about it before, but talk about what you've noticed over the years from, you know, where you at now to other universities you taught at. That's a good question. I, 
it's hard to say where we are now with the sort of so-called reformed resurgence. Um, you know, it's getting to be, well, recovering the reformed confession came out in, in 90, or sorry, 2008 or so, 2009. So we just, um, we just passed the, the 10-year anniversary, and I think... Um, what, let's see, um, Young, Restless, and Reformed came to, came out uh, just a little bit before that, maybe a year or so before that. So that was maybe in that period was kind of the high water mark. I don't know. You know, it's hard to tell when you're in the middle of it uh, w- sure. what's going on. But um, uh, it seems like we might be on the other side of that wave uh, but it, there's still, from you know, via social media, you know, I get the impression that there's still a lot of interest in uh, Reformed theology. Yeah, I'm in dialogue, you know, via the blog, whether it's the Heidel blog or the uh, Bounding Grace blog, you know, uh, AGR Live or on Twitter or wherever. I'm in. It seems like I'm in constant dialogue with young people who are interested in finding out about Reformed theology. So that's very exciting. When I first encountered Reformed theology in maybe 1980 or 81, somewhere in there, probably 1980, uh, you you had to know somebody. There, mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it was like, uh, you know, <laughs> getting a bootleg video or something. You had to know a guy who knows a guy. And um, right. that's what happened to me. I was in a, a Southern Baptist congregation. It was essentially an Arminian congregation. They're very gracious, very warm. Uh, they took me in. I didn't know anything about Christianity. And they taught me the basics, or at least some of the basics. And then they got me to read my Bible. And they taught me to memorize Scripture. Uh, they, you know, they, they were very clear about the need to put one's trust in Jesus for salvation. That was very clear. Um, and that we are saved by you know uh, God's uh, grace uh, alone. Uh, at least that's what they said. They were probably not always very consistent with that, but <laughs> but um, they got me started, and uh, and I began to realize that the, there were some things that I wanted to know about that I wasn't finding out about. And uh, for example, I, I went to an older man, and I I said um, he was a deacon, I think, and I said I'd like to know more about Romans and Ephesians. Uh, I don't. I don't mm-hmm. understand those books. They don't. I don't have any way to make sense of them because they, the way Paul talks there is not really the way we talk here. And I'm sure that we're right. I just. I don't. You know. What do I know? And um, <laughs> and he said, well, those are doctrinal books, and um, you know, we're a practical church, and they really were. I mean, we talked about balancing mm-hmm. your checkbook and all kinds of things like that. So I ended up following a guy who had been to Moody, and so he was. Uh, at least a little bit, he was one of the more educated guys in the congregation. And I followed him across town to a little German Reformed church, uh, literally across the tracks. And that's how I found <laughs> Reformed theology. And, and uh, there were a couple of seminary grads who graduated from uh, the old uh, Reformed Episcopal Seminary, which which back then was rather different than it is, I think, today. And uh, they were mm-hmm. really seriously Reformed. And I said, well, you know, tell me about Ephesians. And they said, how much time do you have? <laughs> so mm. they were happy to talk to me about Ephesians and Romans, and uh, they were actually teaching people Greek, and and I was just starting university and wanting to learn Greek. And, and uh, so I basically had a pre-seminary course for about four years with them, four or five years. So uh, wow. 
but but there, you know, obviously there was no social media, and and I didn't even know these churches even existed. Um, <laughs> so it was a marvelous providence that I discovered these, um, you know, this tiny, this little German Reformed congregation. These were German Russians, and they'd had a history. They. Um, and they had just split from another church, and it was actually, I think, a bunch of young people who'd caused trouble. So, anyway, it was it was it was, um, <laughs> it, it was um, you know, a great blessing. Then I, I went to seminary, and and obviously, and he, out here at Westminster Seminary, California, and and that was a blessing, and and that helped a, a great deal. Um, so today, obviously, people are finding this stuff on Twitter, um, you know, on blogs, uh, Facebook. Um, you know, even Instagram. So, um, uh, you know, it's so much easier to find out about this stuff now. Sure. The doctrines of grace and um, and podcasts. I mean, you know, um, I've been podcasting now myself for more than 10 years. And when I started, I used to call up the companies to look for equipment. And I'd say, you know, I'm doing this thing called a podcast. And they'd say, oh, a what? <laughs> <laughs> and today, now I get magazines, and on the front cover it says, "Hey, podcasters, you know, here's all the stuff you need." Mm-hmm. So it's um, mm-hmm. so the yeah, the world's changed tremendously. So in some ways, I think we've sort of crossed over a threshold, and it's probably just going to continue. You know, there'll be continue to be, um, uh, you know, a heightened degree of interest. Um, in the uh, you know in aspects of Reformed theology, um, I don't think that the the particular Baptist wing of the SBC is going anywhere. Um, you know, that's a you know now that they have institutions. You know, back in 1980, uh, all the Southern Baptist seminaries, as far as I know, were controlled by Arminians, and there there wasn't mm-hmm. any real uh, Calvinistic presence that I was aware of anyway in in the SBC. Uh, I first started learning about uh, aspects of Reformed theology from conservative Anglicans, actually. I was reading John Stott. Uh, hmm. Basic Christianity was the first really serious book that I read, at least the book that seemed serious to me, you know, compared to what I was reading to that point. Most of what I had read to that point was, frankly, pretty silly. Um, and and then uh, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God by J.I. Packer. And uh, I remember reading uh, Knowing God. I was living in Bend, Oregon, and uh, working at a radio station there, and I took my copy of Knowing God. It, was, it seemed to me a big, thick, serious book, and I, I didn't have a television. All I had was a radio, and when I got off work or when I wasn't working, I just would sit down and, and uh, sometimes and read. And it, I, I sat down, and I read that book in about two days. And um, I read that, and I thought, mm. well, this is it. This is the stuff. This is, this is what Scripture says. This, th- this seems what historic Christianity is supposed to be. And, um, and that was sort of the beginning where I, that was, you know, at that point I knew I can't go back. I'm not going back to, um, you know, Fanny Crosby and, and, um, the sort of anxious bench revivalist model. Um, I, you know, there's another way of thinking about Christianity. Um, so now, I mean, all you have to do is, uh, you know, go to a, you know, abounding grace or listen to the bar Mm -hmm. podcast or, you know, listen to, I mean, (laughs) less than Tanner are reaching, uh, I don't know, thousands of people. So it, mm-hmm. all of that's very good news. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that, you know, uh, you know, we 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 joke about, you know, the podcast dying, but like people are still discovering them and listening to, you know, a lot of those great episodes uh after the fact. Sure. Um, you know, cuz even with uh even with yours, I remember finding yours and and just going all the way back, you know, and and listening, <laughs> you know, uh to to older stuff. Um, so it's just a great resource out there, man. And I definitely uh, pray and hope uh, that the bar can be the same thing for people as well. So you mentioned about being uh, a pastor. I have a lot of uh, local pastors that listen. We even do a local pastor spotlight. Um, and you talked about uh, doing it in multiple locations. And one question I like to ask uh, guys that are in ministry uh, is to talk about, you know, the beginning stages, because a lot of guys listen to this are either church plant or taking over a church, uh, kind of like uh, some beginning or maybe stories or or your approach uh, to coming into a church and, and establishing, you know, what's going on or, or figuring out what's going on or even learning the dynamic of the area. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that, uh, the pastor side of, uh, of of your life? Sure. It I can tell you mainly what not to do. I, I must. Uh, <laughs> I know a lot about what not to do. Um, the the first that's good too. The first congregation to which I was called uh, was uh, then called Hope Reformed Church in Kansas City, and they uh, started about 1975, and I got there in 1987. Um, they were by that time they had bought an old service station. It was an old standard gas station. Uh, Amico or Standard, and um, they had renovated it somewhat, and um, and that's where they were meeting for church. So I can tell you that's one thing not to do. Don't ever, ever <laughs> buy a gas station. Uh, there is there is a book, uh, 1,001 Uses for uh, Gas Stations, and uh, in that entire book, it never mentions church, and there's probably a good reason for that. Um, we did have the, we had the best bathrooms in the entire denomination, so that, that, that we had that. <laughs> Um, but otherwise, um, it wasn't a lot to, to commend uh, that, that facility, although we, you know, we had our own place. We were very small. We were 40 people. And uh, one of the things I, I got called as an associate or assistant and an associate, and then finally uh, the senior pastor took a call somewhere else, and, and they couldn't find—they literally couldn't find anybody. And so they were stuck with me. Uh, that, that's, mm-hmm. I, I, that's not hyperbole. Um, uh, and um, so— uh, I was I pastored there uh, very happily for another four years. Um, I, I loved pastoral ministry. In fact, uh, I went to seminary thinking, well, maybe I'll go to grad school because I, I came out of undergrad work thinking, yeah, I think I think I want to do this kind of work. And uh, I went to Sam and I, I want to learn theology and I want to learn Hebrew and improve my Greek and. Um, I did a summer internship in Bakersfield, California, and I lived in a trailer. Mrs. Clark and I lived in a trailer behind the church in a parking lot. And um, it was a challenging summer, but I will say that that coming out of that summer and doing the things that I did, I got to exhort. I wasn't ordained yet, so in our uh, churches, we don't call that preaching. We call that exhorting. And um, I got to conduct Bible studies and teach Sunday school and um, do house visitations and hospital visitations. And I got to witness some really... um, Frankly, fairly ugly stuff um, behind the scenes, and uh, 
and there were some things going on. And and it, I guess if I had any sense or if I wasn't called to pastoral ministry, I would have said, well, OK, it's good to see what this really is like and, and, and gone and done something else. But um, nobody ever accused me of being smart, um, stubborn and persistent, maybe. And, and so I, I came out of that summer and I said, I want to be a pastor. Uh, um, so which is a sort of a strange way to discover your your one's vocation i guess uh, it's a little bit like uh, being thrown in the trenches in world war 1 and deciding yeah this is this is something i want to do <laughs> it's like really <laughs> they're they're lobbing mustard gas at you why why do you want to do this um, anyway so I, by the time i got to kansas city uh I served with a senior pastor for um, a couple of years who was a wonderful, lovely, uh, thoughtful, uh, gifted, uh, godly man. He was 63 when I got there, so he'd been in the ministry for a long time, had started out in the Dakotas preaching in German uh, out of seminary in the mid-50s. Anyway, so uh, Norman Hofflinger was my—he was sort of a mentor. I had a two-year internship with him, basically, and it was great— and I, so I ended up there for another four years and uh, tried to plant a church for the first two years I was there. Failed, so I can tell you what not to do with that. Um, and mm-hmm. and, um, and then uh, towards the end of my six years there, I started thinking about grad school again. as just as a possibility, you know. I had sort of three choices. Stay, which was I would have been fine with staying. I loved uh, doing what I was doing. Um, there are a lot of challenges, but I love the work. I love uh, preaching and teaching um, and, um, you know, counseling and visitation and all that stuff. Uh, we, uh, we, had a, we had had an active uh, diaconal ministry, and I, got, I was in contact with lots of really interesting people. Um, so uh, and I was thinking, well, maybe I should uh, pursue another uh, a call to another church. That was a possibility. Or maybe I should think about grad school and just on a, a lark I turned in an application to a few places, and in the providence of God, I got accepted, and uh, I thought, well, if they're stupid enough to let me in, I should probably not, <laughs> I should probably not let them off the hook. Uh, I, I come from very humble people. My, my grandpa was a, a wheat farmer, and, I, and, he, and he ran a few head of cattle in southwestern Kansas, uh, south of Dodge City, and um, my, my dad's dad was a repairman, so, you know... We're, we're just, you know, sort of humble folk. My dad had gone to college, um, so there was that, and, and, and had some education. Um, but um, I got in, and I, we decided to go, and, and one thing led to another. Uh, we ended up in Wheaton, and then we, then we ended up here. And it was all very unexpected. It was never a part of any great plan. Um, and, you know, I always tell people I'm still a pastor, fundamentally. So I, I, I did help plant a church mm-hmm. in Oceanside, which is a great experience. Um, and I, and so I, I learned uh, something about planting churches, uh, you know, out here, um, which is a little bit different than doing it in the Midwest. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's sort of the story of my pastoral ministry. I, well, let me say one thing. Yeah. Here's a thing I've learned, and, and maybe this is something I can leave. Um, I'd say the most important thing I learned, I learned probably, or two most important things, two things. First thing, first most important thing I learned was about three years into pastoral ministry. I was, had been doing a bunch of visitation that day. All, you know, my people were scattered all over, about 80 miles. If I drove all the way around my, all my people, it was about an 80-mile trip. And uh, mm. I got off the freeway, and, uh, and I was just exhausted, and, uh, and suddenly it hit me. You're not the Holy Spirit, moron. 
<laughs> uh, and and, and wow. that was, I was trying to do everything and be everywhere and uh, trying to, mm-hmm. to do the work of the Holy Spirit and, and realizing that I didn't have to try to do that was very liberating. Um, that was a fir- wow. that was a first real breakthrough I think I had. Second big breakthrough I had uh, ten years into ministry. I was at a uh, we had a summer conference out here. Had a bunch of people come and speak about preaching. Uh, Jay Adams, uh, Tim Keller was here. Um, Bob Godfrey, Dirk Bergs, uh, Mike Horton, and and Mike gave a twenty minute talk about distinguishing law and gospel in preaching, and that. Mm-hmm. was a, a turning point for my entire pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that I had struggled with as, as a preacher was uh, what to do with application. And I, I knew there was something wrong with my preaching. I would preach the gospel. And then uh, at the end, and I remember this particularly in a series of sermons, I preached through the Exodus uh, you know, early on. Uh, I preached through the gospel of John, and then I preached through the Exodus. And... Uh, uh, I would I'd preach the gospel about how God sovereignly saved his people. And then at the end of the sermon, uh, I thought, well, I need to apply it to the people. And I, and, and I didn't really understand how to distinguish law and gospel, and I didn't really understand the application very well. And, and I, what mm-hmm. I ended up doing was putting them back under the law. And I put them under a set of conditions mm-hmm. that essentially said, uh, well, th- there's the good news. But if you really want to benefit from this, you have to meet some conditions. Right, and wow. if you'd ask me, "Is this what you intend to do?" I would have said, "No, that's terrible." Uh, and I could tell you the theory of distinguishing law and gospel to some degree, not very clearly, but I had some idea. But I didn't know how to apply it to my preaching. And I used to go home and I'd say, "There's something wrong," and, and my wife would say, "Yes, there is." Um, <laughs> and uh, it it uh, it really troubled me. And and when Mike gave that talk, he said, look, the law is one thing, the gospel is another. And when you look at a text and when you preach a text, you need to be conscious of whether you're preaching the law or whether you're preaching the gospel. And, and you, you need to ask yourself about this text. How do the law and the gospel relate in this text? And he, he wasn't telling us how they have to come out in every instance. Uh, people are probably going to reach different conclusions. But it, he was giving me a set mm-hmm. of questions and categories. And uh, so if I could leave the listener with one thing, if, if, if pastor, if you're hearing this and you haven't thought about this and, and you don't know these categories, this is new to you and you're, you know, you're not aware of this, you need to learn this distinction. It will revolutionize your preaching and it will save your congregation from all kinds of heartache, grief, unnecessary guilt and burden. Um, so I'm, I'm very passionate about that. And uh, I, I did a chapter in a book called Covenant Justification and Pastoral Ministry, where I've talked about distinguishing law and gospel and preaching. And if you go to the Heidel blog at heidelblog.net, forgive the plug, um, there's lots of stuff about distinguishing law and gospel. So those are probably two of the biggest uh, sort of breakthroughs I, I've had in, in pastoral ministry. In some ways, you might say, I haven't really learned that much since 1998 when when Mike gave that conference. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. No, those two were were, were pretty big because uh, I I know some brothers uh, that that those are struggles. Uh, so that that was really good. I definitely pray that it, it helps somebody, bless somebody. So right here, we're gonna take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. All right, we're back in here with my good friend, Mister Clark, and. Uh, Man, good conversation, good first half. Second half, sir, we like to switch it up a little bit, kind of like my fun questions. 
um, not quite game showish like uh, like Les and Tanner do it, but more or less um, just kind of uh, questions I ask all of my guests and my listeners look forward to these questions because, you know, they don't normally hear the answer to these. So the first signature bar question is, what kind of music do you listen to? Oh, that's a good question. I, you know, I listen to a, a lot of different kinds of music. Um, I, I think, boy, the the boy, that's very difficult to answer. My most uh, basic favorite kind of music is probably blues. Um, mm-hmm. So everything sort of relates to that one way or the other. So blues leads to jazz. Sometimes blues lead leads to to country. Uh, the other day, I was listening mm-hmm. to uh, Amy Lou Harris, Dolly Parton, and, and Linda Ronstadt, um, who mm-hmm. make amazing harmonies. But yeah, push comes to shove. If I don't know what else to listen to, um, you know, BB or, uh, you know, I don't know. I'd have to look at my, I, I, well, here's how old I am. I was going to say I have to look at my CD collection and see. <laughs> you see what's on my what's on my phone but right. um but uh you know my grandfather years ago gave me uh uh an old probably a 78 mead lux lewis and his barrel house piano um my mom and dad gave me louis armstrong which is actually this album i can't find anywhere um you know so i've always been a huge fan um but you know, sometimes I, you know, I love uh, rock and roll, and sometimes I I listen to uh, what was it? Um, I don't know. I can't. I have to get my iTunes going here to see what it was. Uh, uh, what it was I was listening to. Uh, um, well, I mean Bob Dylan. Uh, you know, the other day I discovered a, a while back I discovered uh, a guy named Link Ray, which uh, from the late fifties. Uh, early 60s. I've been listening to Kansas lately. So all kinds of stuff, I guess. Um, nice. I'm old, so a lot of the, Good deal. A lot of the stuff... Uh, oh, 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 what is it? White... Uh, was it husband and wife? Well, they were husband and wife or something. Brother or sister. I don't know who they were. The, uh, uh, white something or other. Because he does kind of blues-based rock and roll. So there you go. Nice. I love that question because it, it 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 gets it gets kind of a, a inside, and I always tell people uh, probably the most shocking answer I got was when Ligon Duncan said he likes like Motown, and I was like, oh, well, I was not expecting that. You know, uh, <laughs> one of my favorites is Booker T and the MGs. I love. There you go. Uh, you know, uh, so I <laughs> I used to say to um, the organist uh, at my first church, I said. Can you play this like Booker T? <laughs> so, that, that would be That's so funny. awesome. Um, I, yeah, one wow. of the great. Uh, I do. I get to travel sometimes, and several years ago, I was with David Strain in Memphis, and I got to go to the Stax Studio and see where they recorded. Uh, you know, because uh, they that was the house band. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- those are some amazing musicians. So to see where they did Green Onions and, and all that stuff, um, I think that's right. the greatest instrumental record ever made is Green Onions. So, yeah, my kids grew up listening to Booker T and the MGs. Nice. Good deal. All right. Next signature bar question is what book or books are you currently reading? 
Well, I just finished reading a book uh, that's not out yet. Uh, it's it's forthcoming uh, by my friend Crawford Gribben, and I I can't tell you the title because I don't think I am supposed to talk about it yet. So, but he's working on a book that's mm-hmm. very interesting, <laughs> and I I think it will, will be it helped me. I think it will help other people. Um, you know, I have so many things going at, at any. Oh, any one time. I've got some books here that I'm getting ready to dive into on Eastern Orthodoxy. And actually, you know, this summer I've spent, I ended up over committing again and I had a bunch of writing to do. So I I spent most of Mm -hmm. June and July trying to complete some writing projects. So I did did a lot of writing more than than reading. A fair bit of the reading I do now, I I don't honestly get... I know it sounds weird, but I really don't have very much time anymore just to sit down and read stuff. Um, most yeah. mostly when I read, it's it's uh, research to find out something, and um, and then right. I have to write something. Um, that, that's one part of the job that I I really had no idea that that's how it was going to go. <laughs> I I really imagined myself right. sitting around quietly reading and smoking a pipe or something, and that it almost mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that almost never happens. Um, so strangely. Um, Anyway, so yeah, that uh, uh, my next my my next big job is to actually I'm, I'm writing a commentary on the Heidelberg Catechism, and I'm a, almost halfway through the revisions, uh, the third revision. So um, that's my big job. So yeah, I wish I could say that I'm, um, you know, doing more reading th- than I am, but um, but at the moment, that's all I can think of. There's you know a lot of the reading I do is on screen. So it's kind mm-hmm. of, it, you know, I can't look down at my shelf anymore and say, uh, um, exactly. My, my light reading is a, uh, biography of Michael Jordan. Um, so that, nice. I can't even think of the title of it, but it's on Kindle. So whatever the, whatever that is. And, and it's interesting. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. I, I'm definitely a Michael Jordan era kid. So. Uh, that definitely caught my attention. All right, so I kind of already know the answer to this last signature bar question because you talk about how busy you are, but I'm going to ask anyway. Uh, what podcasts or sermons do you listen to, if any? Uh, you know, I listen. It's funny. I you know I worked in radio for a long time, and, and I love radio, but I almost never listen to live radio anymore. It's almost all podcasts. So I, I do listen to a lot of podcasts, mm-hmm. some of them Christian, a lot of them not. Um so, um, I, you know, to go to sleep, I listen to dumb sports talk radio. Uh, and so I'm from, I'm from <laughs> Nebraska, and I listen to a bunch of podcasts mm-hmm. from my hometown that kind of keep me up to, to, to speed with what's going on with my Nebraska Cornhuskers. Um, yeah, and uh, I'm just sort of paging through. I listen to some political podcasts. There's a movie review podcast called The Sub Beacon that I listen to, uh, and I'm not necessarily endorsing all of these because some of these uh, use language sure. that, that might not be edifying for uh, for everyone. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, the the Quillette podcast I listen to sometimes, uh, Ricochet, The City Journal. So, you know, pultru- uh, cultural, political, uh, some theological podcast you know, you know, here and there, no compromise. Uh, my friend Mike Abendroth, mm-hmm. uh, I, I listened to his podcast. Um, you know, I, I used to listen to Lesson Tanner. Uh, um, 
Come on, the guy. Isn't that terrible? Old age is a terrible thing. What? Uh, what's the <laughs> name of the podcast of my buddies in in Nashville? Um, Community Bible Church. Uh, mm. Come on, what is it? Is, that is terrible. I don't know it off the top of my head. Oh, sir. there it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, Theocast. So, oh, okay, I, yeah. I, I, love I, those guys. I still listen to Theocast some. Um, so, but between the yeah, between doing the um, office hours for the seminary and abounding grace with Chris, um, I, I yeah, I don't get a chance to listen to as many of the Christian podcasts as I as I probably should. But anyway, there you go. Mm, gotcha. Perfect. Sounds good, man. Well, I appreciate you uh, going through that. The the bar signature questions uh, definitely. Definitely enjoy all of your answers. And um, before we close out, man, I always like to also give my guests kind of like a final word, word of encouragement or anything you want to say. Just, you know, if there's an announcement, just keep in mind the show might not drop until maybe the end of the month or maybe next week. I don't know. But I'm going (laughs) to give you the floor to kind of any any words of encouragement, anything you want to say to my listeners uh, as we get ready to exit. I would just encourage people to to uh, keep going. You know, it, it, uh, the, the Reformed faith. Uh, Jay Gresham Machen uh, said that the you know the Reformed faith is is grand, and I I think that's a great way to describe it. It's a journey. Um, you know, I and and I understand. You know, I, I came out of being um, I, you know I was not raised in a distinctively Christian home exactly. I wasn't taught the Christian faith. Um, became a broadly evangelical Southern Baptist, and then uh, and, and 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 then moved on you know, solely by the grace of God. You know, it wasn't like I figured anything out. I just happened to meet a guy, as I said, and um, it's been a wonderful journey. And I would encourage people to keep going. You know, get to know the Reformed confessions and um, and and meditate on those things. Get to know uh, uh, the you know the historic Christian faith. And uh, and keep growing, and 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 don't be necessarily uh, satisfied with with where you are. Um, there, there. I'm, you know, I've been teaching this stuff now for more than uh, thirty five years, and I'm always still learning uh, new things. So uh, there are a lot of great older Reformed writers. And, um, you know, I've, I've done a lot of work on, for example, one of the authors of the Heidelberg Catechism, Caspar Olivianus. Uh, read those guys. Read Calvin. Uh, read the Heidelberg Catechism, the Belgic Confession, Canons of Dort, the Westminster Standards. Um, those are beautiful things. And uh, you, you, as you read those things, you will not be sorry. You will be edified. Good deal. Good deal. Yes, sir. To my listeners, make sure you check out. Everything we got going on with the Bar Podcast. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Appreciate you, sir, coming on the show. Uh, make sure that you go to thebarpodcast.com. Uh, find everything dealing with the Bar Podcast, whether it's the network or whether if you want some bar gear. We got to get you some gear. Uh, <laughs> we got to get you some gear up in California, man. Something with the bar on it, a T-shirt, mug, or something. I'm going to have to make that happen for you, all right? I'm looking forward to it. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. All right, guys. Till next time, God bless you, and we are out of here.
What's up, bar listeners? It's finally here, the bar exclusive content. Yes, that's right. You can sign up to receive exclusive content as low as $2 a week or $5 a month, $50 for the year to get exclusive content. What is the exclusive content? I'm glad you asked. The exclusive content is additional information from my guests, extra time with them in like the green moon setting, laid back, them asking me questions, I ask them questions, and also the Facebook group. You get an invitation to the Facebook group where we will have discount codes for the bar gear and many many more make sure you sign up the links in the show notes join the vip inside the bar group and we'll see you there